Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. We are in our 16th year of doing Telepathic TV together, mm -hmm. and uh, we've done a lot of subjects over the years. And if you would like to see some of our older shows here on FPA, maybe write in and, and let them know at FPA you'd be interested in seeing those. That would be a great thing. Yeah. But this is a newish show. It's May 5th, 2016. We uh, are airing a mixture of older shows and newer shows and new shows. Mm -hmm. So anyway, tonight's subject is on the loss of a pet or a loved one. And that is something that we all face. We all face yes. it in many different ways. And I thought maybe we could start the conversation and the dialogue about how do you deal with the loss of a pet? Now, yeah. one of the things is that our consciousness of animals has really shifted. And you've mm -hmm. you got to admit that oh, yeah. over the years. At one time, maybe the animals would be seen as a mascot or something useful to us, but but not with a spirit or personality or soul. And they would die, and it's, oh, well, too bad about that. And our consciousness level of really bonding with animals, and I know we have bonded for many centuries with animals, but yeah. I think our cogni cognition of that bond is getting stronger and stronger. And so many people are enduring a lot of grief involved over losing their animal friends. Mm -hmm. and. It's, there's not really a lot of resources out there. There are grief circles for losing loved ones, and we'll talk yeah. about that later too, but not yes. really for pets. And one of the big things, and I'd like your opinion on all this too, mm -hmm. but thought I would start us off with this specifically, is that many people now have the choice of putting their animals to sleep, is what we called it as kids. Some people say putting them down, and I don't know that there's any wonderful way to describe that, but I think it's a great thing that we have because I think we should have it for humans too, although there's a lot of ethical lines there. But it's a hard thing to do, and we never really know. Did we do it too soon? Did we do it too late? Did the animal suffer for a long time needlessly when it could have moved on and been happy? And I don't think that there are any easy answers with that. We would need Solomon's wisdom to know that. But one thing that I've come to feel is that if we see the presence of the divine, whether we call it God or goddess or yeah. all that is, mm -hmm. or Buddha, God, um, Allah, or Jehovah, or whoever, the universe, mm -hmm. whatever we call it, if we operate under the assumption that that force is guiding us, in making every decision ultimately mm -hmm. in, in the big ways, then we can find some peace about that. Yeah. And so I, I would like us to start out addressing the pain, the guilt, and the questioning yes. that people feel when it comes time to help their animal companion friend into their greater expansiveness. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, James Madison, uh, who's a very famous writer of the uh, uh, Constitution, actually. Um, at the moment of his death, um, right before the moment of his death, um, said that death was nothing more than a shift in consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, Thomas Jefferson had exactly the same thing to say a moment before his death. 
And that's a very, very different way to see it than we've been taught. We've had, we know uh, near-death experience, we know a lot of people that have come, their societies based on near-death. Now people join together because they've all had a near-death experience. And um, I don't think it's what anyone necessarily thinks it is, uh, in that you, you could go to the other side and observe what you observed, but by the time you come back, you have to tell it in terms of what's here in order, f in order to be understood. And I don't know if it's necessarily in terms that are here. I think it has its own frequency, whatever word you want to put in there for that to happen. And so the idea of the shift in consciousness, the idea of death, is not what anyone really thinks it is, even those who have had the experience. I think it's something, because um, if you're going to stay over there, I think it's something completely different than the tourist crowd <laughs> that goes, hi, no, where's the, where's the popcorn stand? Where's the souvenir shop? <laughs> you know, um, I'm planning on going back. I'm yeah. just here for a visit. <laughs> yeah, and, and like that. So uh, what that mystery is, I also don't think necessarily concerns us here. <coughs> it's, a lot of attention is placed on it, but I don't know how um, valuable it is to take your precious attention and focus it so out of the now, you know, mm -hmm. that's never been necessarily the wisest thing to do either way. And this is from a lot yeah. of years of experience. Yeah, there's that. that's a good point. I know that I have uh, seen many people being faced with that decision. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think what you're saying <coughs> about knowing that it's a shift in consciousness and all that, I think we can easily and readily believe in that from a philosophical standpoint, we all philosophically believe that there's something, some life after death, and that we live again, whether it's through reincarnation or merging with the larger consciousness or, or um, being welcomed into a kingdom of a heaven of some sort, whatever it is, I think we can philosophically believe in that. But when it comes down to the moment of our actual passing, I think we, it, we transcend our belief system and we go into this expanded state of a different kind of knowing. And I don't know what that is. I've had my version of those experiences, as you certainly have in your death experience and many other people. But I think in, in the real way, when someone we love, whether it's a cat or dog or a horse or our parents or our sister or our wife or our mother or whatever, brother, we feel a lot of questioning because we are so much in the heart that the head's reasoning doesn't always make it through to the other side. Mm -hmm. And when it does, it seems simple, it seems hollow, and it seems trite, even though they're very deep and meaningful to us before the loss. But when we are faced with these actualities, we become different. And that, that's um, proving something that I realized myself many years ago that decisions aren't anything we sit and do. Decisions are always active verbs that happen in the moment. You can ponder forever whether you're going to do something, but in that moment there is something larger that takes over and you answer. Like one time I was being offered a new job that was in a new line of work, leaving the old where I was a big fish in a little pond to being a little fish starting all over again. But that had a potential I was looking for. 
And I was so torn. I, I, I bored my friends for an entire weekend saying, well, if I do this, if I do this, I, I'll lose this, I'll gain this. It was impossible to compare. So I said, well, if it's not, like the expression, if it's not an absolute yes, then it's a no. Yeah, it's a very good expression. Um, I, I, I just said, oh, I'm not going to do it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. And the moment I pick up the phone, they offered me the job, and they said, are you taking the job? And I said, yes. And it was like in that moment, it wasn't like a being bullied or a fear or anything. It just in a moment, there was a part of me that had a greater truth than my smaller part and just answered. And it, of course, it was the greatest decision by far when I look back on that. Not that we should compare them as being better yeah. or worse. They're mm -hmm. just different. But I think that when that moment comes where someone we love or care about, we, our religion, our belief system is not always there to comfort us no. completely. I think it, it does a good job, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a moment when that intellectual belief system integrates with the heart and the mm -hmm. sense of loss. Yes. And they merge, and when they become balanced, that, that's when we start our healing. Very well put. Yeah, I know you've helped a great many people over the years with uh, situations like this. The, the loss of someone that you really care about or an animal that you really care about is um, um, devastating. It's um, something that has, uh, it would be, in a way I would prefer a physical wound because I know how mm -hmm. to heal that even mm -hmm. if it's extensive, but I, I know what that is, and I know what to do about it. But That's brilliant. Yeah. And it was for many, many years they didn't recognize emotional abuse in people, only the physical, so you're yeah. bringing up such a valuable point on another issue as well. Yeah, so. Yeah, and, and it is hard, particularly because there are times with our animal friends that we are put in a position to have to decide, is this the time we let them go? Is this in their best good with the greatest quality of life, the least amount of pain, but the longest life possible? And it feels like we're having to play God. And I've never met a person yet that ever felt completely okay. When their reasoning was able to come and comfort their emotions, they could get to a place of peace. But I think the emotional body never really knows the answer to that and can feel unsettled about that. And it. I have been in that position and I've seen many people and, and one time I asked myself, how could I be put in this position to be played go to play God? Yeah, yeah. And it actually happened with my own father. I had to make the decision to not extend his life and it caused a great deal of suffering oh in a condition God. that he was almost gone anyway. <laughs> and I was put into that position to make that decision. and. I feel that doctors are in that position. There, there are a lot of people in the position. I wasn't the only one. And I, I remember thinking, how on earth could I make these godlike decisions from this limited mind? Because yeah. I have my emotions, I have mm -hmm. my attachments, I have my logic, I have all this. And it just felt overwhelming to me until I realized I either have to believe in that God presence that runs through all things, yes. or I believe in a God presence that's there sometimes. And it's the same question that I used to pose that from the Seth material many years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you live in a safe universe or are you safe within the universe? And they sound the same, but they're not. Being safe within the universe means I'm safe. Yes, I'm protected, but I'm protected from something. 
So there's some force that I'm always in contrary resistance of, mm -hmm. and therefore I have to build walls and defenses to protect myself from yeah. it. Or it's a safe universe no matter what it looks like. Yeah. And this is the case. Either God worked through my hands and moved my mouth to accept that job or to say what I had to say about mm -hmm. my father mm -hmm. or say what I've had to say about animals in the past or whatever or not. And it's my choice. It's my choice to believe that that force in the end of the day, like in the Bible where it said Christ walked up and uh, to Pontius Pilate, I don't really remember this, this scene because I, I, mm. I read it many, many, many years ago, ago but he, he more or less said he walked up there and let God move his mouth, so to speak. Oh yeah, well that would be the way to do it. Mm -hmm. There's uh, so much in this, there's no real guidelines that we have, there's no uh, working vocabulary for us to uh, uh, get across this information. Doctors mm -hmm. use the term quality of life. Okay, and I, I see how that term came to be, and, but I, I don't know if that's something you can really judge because um, somebody who's in a coma would have, well, you'd say zero quality of life, yet being in a coma, not that I have been, but you don't know where that might be that the person is. You really don't know. The realities are so shifting, and even closing your eyes and you're instantly in a different reality. So I don't think there's a real mechanism to determine the quality of life. Now I understand yes, very good. that you were an athlete and you're now uh, not able to move your body and you would say the quality of life. But then again, maybe that's the point at which, yeah, that's the point at which um, the person has gone into the deepest meditation that's ever going to be reached in that lifetime. Yeah. So you really cannot say uh, I, I do believe the person could say, I don't care for this and, you know, push the button, I'm out of here, that sort of thing. Uh, Kevorkian, I believe, was the, mm -hmm. the guy that was, uh, and he wore a founding father's uh, costume while he was doing this, which I think was very interesting on a thousand different levels. But, and I've seen sci-fi based on the places where they had uh, everyone, uh, there was a particular planet where everyone at a certain age uh, agreed to end their life. Everybody agreed to live 80 years or 100 years or something, and then they would just, and it was done voluntarily. Was until that Soylent said, Green? No, this was a uh, Star Trek item. Oh. Um, same guy that played Winchester on MASH was the uh, hero in it, and he decided he didn't want to do that. And he wanted to extend his life as long as it was going to go naturally. So we've wondered slightly off topic here, but it is still the idea of understanding what this is, the shift in consciousness. And by the way, Thomas Jefferson preceded James Madison by 10 years. So I think James Madison was, by the way, quoting Thomas Jefferson. That's the last thing yeah, he said. Yeah, because I had heard that at Monticello as right, well as right, that. Yeah. Um, Just reminded me of that. Yeah. But uh, how do we deal with the... Um, feeling of But loss. they were also going to try to artificially extend his life so he could die on July 4th, just like Madison and Adams did. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, uh, Jefferson and Adams did. Right, right. Yeah. But he said, no, he will go in his own timing. That was good of him. Well, I think that this all is predicated on this idea that death is terrible, and I think that we have swung ever since the 
Karen Ann Quinlan, do you guys remember that yeah. from all those years ago that they kept her alive even mm -hmm. though she was technically a vegetable, which was such a lovely term. I love that. Yes. Although vegetables are wonderful and nutritious things, so maybe it's better than to say uh, other terms. But anyway, just keeping a body alive and interfering too much. I think that we skew from one side to the other yeah. to where the quality of life, meaning that you're laying there suffering or there's not any kind of thing other than sitting in a bed paralyzed looking at a ceiling or something like that, yeah. um, as opposed to being uh, able to live and enjoy life. But you brought up a very good point. Who's to say that? One yeah. person may find it very valuable in their soul progression to lay in that bed and not be able to get up and not be able to mm -hmm. move mm -hmm. because they're working on things that are internal and that's the perfect environment. They don't have to worry about any of these extraneous things, these external things, and they can go inward to a really deep degree. To another person, it could be like a living hell where they're, where they're held in a, in, in a claustrophobic jail cell called their body. And we don't know this. Mm. And here's where we think, just like back um, in the movie Rabbit Proof Fence and what oh, they yeah. did with the Native children early on, <clears throat> where everybody maybe even had an idea that this was best, mm -hmm. that this civilized, quote unquote, world was better and that they were taking people and putting them in a better place. This idea that we know what is right for another person. Yeah. I, I really feel that even though many people over the course of history have genuinely thought they were doing the best thing for another person, whether it was your children, your father, sending people to a home, putting whatever, yeah. we can never know. And we just have to accept that about ourselves and trust that what ends up in the end is going to be on a greater progression of the all, the divine, and going into a better place. Yeah. Because we're all fallible. It is true. We are mistake makers and are forgiven. We yeah. are not sinners and condemned to hell. The word sin, the, in the original Christ translation into, from our Aramaic means mistake, not yeah. sin. Right. And so we aren't sinners born to, to die sinners. We yeah. are mistake makers that are forgiven and we must forgive ourselves as we forgive others and others as we forgive ourselves. All those things have mm -hmm. such a metaphysical translation to them. Yeah. And we must get to a state of forgiveness. So one of the things I wanted to do before we mm -hmm. get a field over animals and get onto other aspects of people is I would invite people to tap with me. Excellent. We've all been in a position, and this is for any, any creature uh, that you've been involved with having to make a decision whether this was their end or not, or either by withholding some treatment uh, so that they could die naturally or had to sign a do not resuscitate for your parents or had to tell the vet, yeah, I think it's now time, let's do this, where you push the, make the call so the vet comes in or whatever. Yeah. I would like you to open up to the idea of tapping with me. This is a process that's, it's a fairly old process called EFT. I use it in my practice, but I use it in a different way. Um, and yeah, uh, I go to core issues in a different way than your typical thing, but everybody's different. Mm -hmm. So even if you know it, tap along. And since I don't know personally what you're going through so that I could customize it to you, I'm going to keep it general. And all you have to do is tap on these points that I'm gonna show you real quick, which is the side of your hand, 
top of your head, inner part of your eyebrow, outer corner of your eye, under your eye, under your nose, under your bottom lip, and on the collarbone, the knobs at the base of your neck. And I'm going to try not to hit the microphone. Um, and then back to the side of your hand. There are more points, but yes, uh, and if you would like to join oh, in I with me. Oh, I would love to. Okay, and, and simply you repeat after me, and if you're in a place that you can't say it out loud, just say it in your heart or in your head. But if you can say it out loud, that's good. And it goes, even though I had to make that decision. Even though I had to make that decision. I am open to forgiving myself. I am open to forgiving myself. Even though I made that decision. Even though I made that decision. And I am terrified I made the wrong decision. And I am terrified I made the wrong decision. And sometimes it keeps me up at night. And sometimes it keeps me up at night. And it makes me terrified that I did the wrong thing. And it makes me terrified that I did the wrong thing. And let this beautiful being down. And let this beautiful being down. As if I betrayed them. As if I betrayed them. I love and accept myself anyway. I love and accept myself anyway. I didn't want to be in that position. I didn't want to be in that position. But I was put in that position. But I was put in that position. And I really did do the best I could. And I really did do the best I could. I sure wish they could forgive me. I sure wish they could forgive me. Because I can think of a hundred different choices now. Because I can think of a hundred different choices now. And I feel like they thought I betrayed them. And I feel like they thought I betrayed them. But I'm open to the idea. But I'm open to the idea. That they knew what I was going through too. That they knew what I was going through too. And that ultimately the right thing always happens. And that ultimately the right thing always happens. And maybe it's okay to forgive myself. And maybe it's okay to forgive myself. And take this pain that's been sitting in my stomach. And take this pain that's been sitting in my this stomach. This ache that's been in my heart. This ache that's been in my heart. This emptiness in my life. This emptiness in my life. And all throughout my body. And all throughout my body. And forgive myself. And forgive myself. And forgive them. And forgive them. And forgive the universe for putting me in that position. And forgive the universe for putting me in that position. And forgive me for not being Superman. And forgive me for not being Superman. Or a miracle worker. Or a miracle worker. That could save them. That could save them. Even though I've been carrying this pain. Even though I've been carrying this pain. And it feels like if I let it go, and it feels like if I let it go, I'll be betraying them. I'll be betraying. Because how could I go be happy? Because how could I go be happy when they're gone? When they're gone. Even though I'm keeping me from being happy. Even though I'm keeping me from being happy. Because it feels like I'm um, withholding love from them. Because it feels like I'm withholding love or from them. Or betraying them. Or betraying. I'm them. open to the idea. I'm open to the idea that my suffering will not make them happy. And my suffering will not make them happy. And my suffering is not love. And my suffering is not love. Because love always feels good. Because love always feels good. I choose good. to send love to this beautiful being that I, I love. To, I choose to send love to this beautiful being that I love. And that love comes in the form of my healing. And that love comes in the form of my healing. And my happiness. And my happiness. And it raises my vibration. And it raises my vibration. And I'm closer to them. And I'm closer to them. I open to the idea. I open the idea. That I really did the best I can. That I really did the best I can. I best I could and I'm always doing the best I can. Best I could and I'm always doing the best I can. And I am opening the door. And I am opening the door. To deep and complete forgiveness. To deep and complete forgiveness. For, for myself and the universe. For myself and the universe. I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. Now take a deep breath. And maybe you connected with part of that. Maybe you connected with all of it. Maybe all none of it. Of it. Mm. 
whatever the case, even if you feel like you didn't connect with it, you're, you're welcome to pause this and rewind that and wa watch it over again. Do it a lot. Mm -hmm. And what you will find is that you will simply just be in a different place with the whole thing. And yeah. it will change and impact all areas of your life. Any area that you are withholding happiness, let's say it's a relationship that you're not allowing in your life because on that deep level, subconscious level, you're believing that if I'm happy in this relationship and I move on, I'm leaving them behind. I'm leaving this beautiful being behind and they're gone and I'm up here having fun and how could that be? And you don't even know it and you don't even know that that is operating in your life. There are so many things we carry around and this is this is what I've done with people for a lot of years oh, and yeah. I could tell you a thousand stories. Maybe I'll do a show on it soon. Yeah. It is a powerful and to me the best way to release this stuff and it mm -hmm. sounds simple. Sometimes people come and they kind of laugh at it at first and then they go home and they go, I can't believe it. I've just felt better ever since. Yeah, and that's another thing we're not allowed to do is heal from any mm -hmm. of this. You have to carry this sack for the rest of your life. And that's just simply not true. You, I've seen you in an hour just change people dramatically. Yeah, and, and happy radiant you beings. too, you too in your own, all the yeah. things that you do yeah. with your helping people to release spirits and, and, yeah. um, and things. It's, it's very much the same thing on a different level. And I, I really feel that the nature of our healing is coming through this avenue. Mm -hmm. There aren't enough therapists also. So I do think, think that there is a place for traditional therapy. Some people mm -hmm. really need to go that route. But there's so few of them because it's so hard to become these counselors, healers mm -hmm. um, in the traditional path. And I think that's a blessing because it's forcing people to open up to it in a different form. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I really hope that if you've been in a position where you've had to uh, release your loved one into what you don't even feel like you don't have enough information that you can't see into the future to know if I had let them go on longer would that have been a bad thing for them or if I had done it quicker would I would have saved them let it go now let it go because the energy of God the divine the universe all that is worked through you and the right thing happened mm -hmm. and so allow yourself to live because you you are to be here and you are to live and to live the rest of your life. And it's not in a state of denial either where you deny yourself what you came here to experience. Mm -hmm. This is honor them, create a memorial of love and happiness and remember them with joy instead yes. of guilt or sadness. That's very important. So now saying goodbye to loved ones that it wasn't really your decision. Maybe, maybe about uh, saying goodbye to loved ones when it was a shock. Was now, very much, this yeah. this would correspond with you, you when when you had your death experience. You were shot. Which was so shocking. I thought maybe you'd like to say a little bit about that because I think when something like that happens, it is a very shocking thing, not only mm -hmm. for the person that experienced it, but the people in your life. Yeah. When it's an illness, it's kind of this, it's never easy when the moment comes, uh, but it's a little different when it's severed like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a spike or a snipping of uh, the line. And um, the experience of going to the other side, which I've spoken many times, and uh, uh, you can find it on other broadcasts, other things we've done. The, um, 
the other side is uh, uh, it's popularly called uh, Summerland, where you go to a place where you uh, essentially uh, it's like a Buddhist temple. It's a place of peace where you have an elder, you have a counselor that begins to explain things that happened in your life to you so that you can get a uh, different perspective on what went on. Uh, there is, um, in doing so much past life therapy for so many years, uh, I, I, I came to the conclusion that whatever past life you wander into when we go back um, is so similar to the one that you're living uh, that simply all you're going to do is see the same situation you're in now where you made a different decision and then they see the permutation of the different decision to give you enough education about this life in order to uh, uh, better decide what can go on for you. And it's an important thing to do uh, to see the change points that do exist and it is possible uh, we have always taught that uh, decisions are not to be feared because regardless of what decision you make, there is a method by which you can make a different decision in that same place. So if you have made the decision that has resulted in a great deal of grief, then you can make a decision in which you don't have to continue to, um, uh, to, to, to process information in such a way that it is a grief. You know, as if yes. you go, and you've said to me, please remember the good things about who that was or what that was. Remember the times. Yeah, like you, when Alex passed our, yeah. our cat, and I started to go over all those times where I was busy and he wanted me to rub his head and I was typing and I would just pat him for a minute and move my legs because I was trying. To, and I said, I made the choice to remember those Less, far lesser times that I ignored his love. I chose to remember all the times I did pet him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the major human foibles of programming that we come with. I know I've spent a lifetime pushing love away from me. I, it's only when we began to work together that I recognized how extensive that has been. And from day one in my life, anything that was loving, I would push it away. And I think there are so many, 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 many people that do that and then when Especially there's this... Especially men because men are not allowed to receive. They're right. not allowed to have feelings. They're not allowed to be loved. Yeah. They're, they're have, they have to be John Wayne. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you're struck by that moment of grief and you can no longer push it away. You just are not capable of pushing it away. And the only thing you can do is just be open to it. And that's the method by which you can step out of that grief, is by just accepting it and then recognizing the grief was a form of love that you had refused. Yeah. Because every, when I find major change points in this timeline in this life where I have pushed away from me what is love, uh, it is now a form of grief. Okay, so yeah. it is possible to rewrite your timeline by making different choices in the future of your timeline by allowing yourself to accept the love that was offered there and to receive it and to honor it and build a memorial to it and go to that place and... That is so beautiful and boy, what a, what a, a spectacular way of doing that and you said that so well. I'll have to play the tape, I don't know what I said. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so wonderful and yeah. 
whether we call that soul retrieval, rewriting our timeline, or what you yeah. said, the essence of it is exactly what you said. We yeah. have to get back to those impact points and rewrite it. Yeah. And that's one of the things the tapping does is it reframes yes. it into a new concept, like whether we reframe it into a larger understanding that, yeah. that the divine was making the decision, yeah. even though it felt like us. Yeah. And no matter how much indecision we went through, it was always the right decision that we made. Yeah. And and then rewriting that is yeah. the is the healing is the healing and reframing exactly. it. Uh, I remember I worked with someone years ago who, when they were a child, they their father was um, wanting them to go with him, and they and they were just a kid. He was watching TV or something, and mm -hmm. so he elected not to go because he was watching TV, but then his father ended up being involved in an accident or some oh, kind of God. thing where he was killed. And mm. so the child grew up to think that it was his fault. Now, when we reframed it as maybe his father's spirit really didn't want him to come and made him get hypnotized by the cartoon so that he wasn't killed too, it was completely reframed and he was mm. able to let go of it in a moment. And I, I could really just, I've really done thousands and thousands yeah. of these sessions. Yes. And you get to have a certain experience level with it where you know where to go with things and what it's about. And I have seen people go from a lifetime of walking hunched back in a, in a metaphoric way, carrying something, to, have, to, to being able to stand upright afterwards. And mm -hmm. sometimes that acts out in the body as well. Oh, yeah. And it's nothing about me personally. I, I, I think that it's just a synergy that opens up when someone's ready to heal. But the good news is, is when you're ready, whether it's through what I do or what you do, or what anyone does, the healer will show. You know how they say when the student is ready, the teacher will come. When the person to be healed is ready, the healer will come. Sometimes it's turning on an episode of telepathic TV right oh, yeah. at the right time. Other times it might be overhearing something said on Seinfeld that just blows apart and reframes this whole traumatic paradigm going yeah. on in your head. Yeah. Or it could be going to a specific type of healing, even an energy healing or Somebody whatever. Somebody can just walk up to you in the park and say five words and the rest of your life That's right. a different place. For you it was thought creates and where you place your attention grows. And to me it was when I read the words of Seth back in the late 70s mm -hmm. or early 80s, your beliefs create your reality. Yeah, Those yeah. words and I said, oh, that's true. I knew it was true. It was like an echo that reverberated through mm -hmm. my whole being. And we will find those words. And maybe you've heard it on our show a thousand times, and maybe the thousand and first time is when you go, oh, I get well, yeah, what you mean. Yeah. It's, a, it's a convergence mm -hmm. of awareness, timing, the path, the circumstances going on in, in life. And mm -hmm. sometimes they just converge, and you have those ahas, watershed moments is what we yes, would say, remember, after yeah. we were talking about that from the book. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that we all have them. And it's important, too, to honor the people that helped get you there. But I think we've gotten a lot of, I know we're getting off the subject, but we've gotten no, very really. intellectual about those yeah. aha moments because we want to catalog them and write them into books so that we can 
be famous or whatever. I, I think that's, um, maybe we'll do a show on the ego in the spiritual development. Uh -huh. uh, but I think that one thing that we've lost, like when we first met in the year 2000, everybody on their spiritual path would just sit and they were just interested in learning and absorbing. And I think we've brought so much of our work world into it where we have to perform and create and manifest and become. And be better than the other guy. That we're losing that comfort. And yeah. so grief is a lot harder from that place. Yeah. Okay, so, so that loss, dealing with that loss that's abrupt, there's a different component to it because mm -hmm. we don't have time to prepare. And there's yeah. this spinning of wheels because we are very much creatures of habit. And we walk in and we see our little dog sitting there every morning waiting to go for a walk or whatever. And it's not, they're not there anymore. And we then beat ourselves up for all those times that we went, oh, I don't want to take you for a walk. It's raining. Why are you there? Why do you have to go for a walk? And we feel that way, and then every time we felt that way, we go over it and over it in our mind. It's like, why didn't I just do that? Whether it's our dog or our mother or a child or a brother, it's like all those times. Yeah. I happen to have lost a lot of people in my life. Um, a sister, a brother, a mother, a father, a best friend, and many other very close friends over the years, as well as my husband, even though it was too, uh, brain damage to where his personality was no longer there. In effect, he, he, he passed as well because I've never had a conversation with him since then. There have been a lot. There have been a lot of things and other people extremely ill. And so I have a lot of experience from the other side of it too. And one of the things that got me into doing this kind of work is I felt like, what do you do with that feeling? Mm -hmm. I remember when my mother died and it wasn't unexpected. She was in the hospital, she wasn't well, but we didn't expect her to pass. It was so abrupt and that she was the first one in my family, apart from the lady that was babysitting me when I was three and she had a stroke while babysitting me. That was my first experience. I've been exposed to a lot of that, and I know it was training for what I do now, speaking yeah. with people in spirit, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what to do with that pain. So I just kept working hard. My life was very hard, a lot of hard work, and I kept mm -hmm. working through it, and I think that's what we do with our pain. We don't know what to do with it. It's too big to process. We just work through it. We keep going to work. We volunteer for over time or maybe we start having a glass of wine after dinner to relax or we do something yeah. to coordinate off and I think we compartmentalize as a protective measure like yeah. a cyst would form around a foreign body. I think mm. when the trauma is too large we don't really know what to do with it and this tapping technique is the thing that really oh, gets excellent. it to go. Yeah. And the, we are creators of tools, uh, you and I, this show is creator of tools and that's a very important one. And, and we, ha we have 700 hours of Easily. techniques and tools from the past. So really, if you would like to see our old shows, if you could write a letter to FBA, you can go to the and website and follow us on YouTube as yeah. well, because all, all those old shows will be up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And we'd like um, to be in a position to air them here as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if they knew that people were interested, maybe that, that would be an easier thing for well, us to be able yeah. to do. But uh, YouTube seems to be the way to go these yes. days. You can go there right now and watch a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's all gratis.
You know, that is yeah, the thing. Yeah, all, all there. And Just we decided that the way, that when we first began this in the millennia, the, when this was forming as what it is now, we decided that what it was was to wake up the world, and we, we did not ask to be reimbursed for it. And I think that well, was a basis of um, a trueness that's, uh, you know, because it's, uh, I, I believe we were very noble to do it that way is what I'm saying. Well, I, I would say that the, this is a big thing in spiritual work about mm -hmm reimbursement or whatever, and mm -hmm. I know we're, we're, we don't talk of money on the show at, at all, but everybody's entitled to make a living. Oh, yeah. Whether you're a priest or a lawyer, it's mm -hmm. still that. But I, I would say that I, in the equivalent, have given many hundreds of thousands of dollars of my time and energy away. Mm -hmm. uh, all my decks are free that, that one can view, and we're not allowed to say our website or anything, but they're, they're perfectly free. I've got many meditations. We've got hundreds of yeah, hours of podcasting, hundreds of hours of e telepathic TV posted, all mm -hmm. of that on my own time and dime. And uh, much that I do through email, through people who write, mm -hmm. and that we have offered a community service for this. Yes. Um, and I do know from feedback over the years, we've helped many, many thousands of people feel better about mm -hmm. their lives. So. Yeah partake, partake in all the, that is out there. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say that one of the things about grief, and maybe I'll bring up the idea of the male emotional processor versus the female emotional processor. Sure. Something that had, had come up not all that long ago where I was upset about something and somebody was saying, uh, tried to make it about me being upset instead of what oh, yeah. I was upset about. I, I found that this is a, an issue for women in the workplace, too, that overall the world judges emotion, whether it's in the form of males as children saying, quit crying, be a man, and, yeah. and not letting boys cry. If boys weren't supposed to cry, boys would not have tears. Boys would not feel sad. Boys would not want to cry. Boys are allowed to cry. It's not a sex thing. It's nothing to do with that. If that's a cultural, egoic, fearful thing that did not allow boys to cry. Mm -hmm. So what happens with a large percentage of the male population is they grow up not being able to express love and emotions unless it's like sexually, or there's yeah. a few outlets that men are allowed to express themselves. Sports Usually fans. it's uh, motorcycles or something. But if it's in this acceptable range, and I think that men just don't know how to express their emotions. And if you don't know how, and you can't name them, and you're not allowed to name them or quantify them, they become islands. And what connects the islands of feeling and thought in our brain are our words. And when we talk about our feelings, it connects that feeling with that feeling and this feeling and this knowing and this intellectual concept and you become aware. You become conscious and everything opens up and you have a bigger picture. But men do not use words typically because of training of young children. Yes. And so they don't get connected. So they will wander through in their mind into this place that hurts and they go, oh, I've got to get out of here. Let me go over there. And I, I am writing a book about the healing of the, the man mm -hmm. because I feel that we as women also believe that the emotion is a terrible thing, but we were allowed to live 
uniting those different feelings and, mm -hmm. and arriving at another picture, but we were shamed during it, yeah. that you're a lunatic, you're a raving, hysterical woman, we gotta give you shock therapy and lock you in mental hospitals so that the husband can find another new and improved wife, and you're over there in that mental hospital because you actually know how to reason through your feelings and yeah. do something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of women get stuck in the feeling that just goes around and around like a, like a treadmill and mm -hmm. never getting anywhere. The secret to happiness, the secret to the upgrading of the planet Earth is through our emotional body. I have said that yes. since day one of my Absolutely. life. I will continue to say this till the mm -hmm. end of my life. I have just seen too much to say mm -hmm. otherwise. Yeah. And I would wish healing for the world to accept emotion because when men repress and suppress emotion long enough, guess what happens? War, uh, a disparagement of other people's emotion, which is an emotion, which is a passive aggressive type of an emotion when mm -hmm. you're uh, blaming someone else for having a feeling, you're having a feeling. Guess what? Wake up, you're having a feeling. Yeah. Oh no, call the police. <laughs> but if you remember George Bush saying, read my lips, yeah. that was like a teenager saying something. I mean, it was mm -hmm. so, it was a, such an unrefined emotion. Yeah, very much. You know. Yeah, and everyone said, what lips? <laughs> yeah, because lips yep. represent the ability to feel. Nobody, uh, very unknown to humans is the idea of the development of the embryo, and we have this idea that the tube torus that forms mm -hmm. uh, uh, and separates and becomes the digestive system along with all the rest of the, the body, and therefore we would presume that we were born um, well, ass kissing, but it's not true. The lips were connected to the heart, and they remain. Mm -hmm. And the upper lip, well, we can do another show on face reading, but there's very specific information about the lips and That's what they represent. That's why humans kiss, because yeah. it opens the heart. Yeah, exactly and blood flow and a number of other things. But yeah, no, that's very true. And um, the expression of feelings through the mouth, that's hmm. very important. Yes. And very little known, and certainly there could be a show on such a thing. But we'd want to do illustration and show you know, very specific things about that. Because there's a lot of really specific information about the way in which we, uh, we do do this. So the idea of um, what we've come into this show to assist people with is the idea of releasing that grief that comes uh, as a shock, releasing the, the grief, uh, which is, brings us to the idea that uh, self-forgiving, we were discussing this in pre-production, uh, self-love and self-forgiving are pretty much sim yeah. synonyms. and. Uh, well, I, I agree, and I know I, I waned a bit off that topic of the abrupt, oh, no. the yeah. abrupt passing, but time really does, they say time heals all wounds. It's been my experience that experiences heal all wounds because you can not have an experience between you and that grief, and it will take 20 years, or mm -hmm. you could put a lot of things in there and and in a year you could start feeling significantly better. So my advice to you, if you are in a state of grief, whether now or it was in the past that you're still feeling, do stuff. You won't feel like it. You won't feel like getting up off the couch. You won't feel like doing anything. This seems like some simple little advice that somebody that has no idea what you're feeling is telling you. 
I am telling you, the more experiences you put between you and that, the better you're going to feel. It's not really time. It's just time holds experiences. If you put mm -hmm. a lot of them in there, it's going to take less time. Well, and, that's very well put. And also, to honor people, come up with a memory book that is such a, a funny memory, write stories, and have that book on the shelf. That's a far better way to remember them and then, oh my God, why didn't I go up there yesterday to the hospital? I didn't know they were going to pass so quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a much better thing to do that because you're honoring them at a higher frequency. Do things, move things around so the little holes of where they used to sit or lay, it just change the space or honor it in some way. Now, one other thing, I know we're getting a little bit low on time. I wanted to cover the, the slower coming passings where someone has a long drawn out illness mm -hmm. and the the issue with that is you keep like right on the edge, it's like having a balloon getting ready to pop and you're, you're going through that level of stress. And so mm -hmm. in some ways it seems like, oh, that's much better because I can get used to it. But it is such a taxing thing on the emotional body because you don't know when it's going to happen. And, and like, like I'm going back to the story with my mother because I think people can relate to it. I didn't expect her to pass. And after being in the hospital for two weeks, you can't you can't go every night from that point because you have children that need to go do things. But yet, if you knew she was only going to live three weeks, you would have been there every night. Yeah. And so you never know when that's going to happen, and mm -hmm. it becomes very stressful. You yes. have no idea. Secondly, when a person passes that way, you tend to hear people say, well, well at least you knew it was coming. And that diminishment of the grief mm -hmm. yeah. because of that belief that, oh, it's shocking, that's more of a grief than this, this long illness. <laughs> Even if it's to a 90, for a 90-year-old person that lasted 10 years, it's still the ending of that particular way of relationship. So it carries its own hardships. And you get used to being in that place where they are dying. And when they finally do, you feel guilty that there's a relief that you're out of the diligence and the hard work you've had for all that time mm -hmm. trying to deal with, with coping. And you go, oh, I'm a little bit relieved. And then you go into guilt. guilt. And I would like to absolve you of that guilt because oh, yeah. everybody does. And you didn't want their end. You wanted the end to the hardship. And that's okay. Well, guilt is very, guilt can be flawlessly logical. Uh, and the way you can tell the difference between guilt and flawless logic is that the flawless logic can ride on, as you would say, a carrier wave of love. You can feel love in it. But if it's guilt, there is no love. There is only recrimination. There is only um, a demand for sacrifice. There is only um, a bottomless pit uh, that it presents to you, that uh, once, um, uh, when we were working early on, you were talking about the uh, true, um, I, uh, earlier on in the uh, language codes, I had said that it was possible to go from guilt to innocence, but no, because did you? Oh, sure, I'll just say it real quick. Yeah. I said what tends to happen is people get stuck in guilt at forever and mm -hmm. their life is horrid or they go from guilt to innocence and then they've learned nothing and they go and repeat that over and over. Exactly. So I said guilt has to, um, you have to go through guilt 
to become, so it's not just going straight to innocence and not going into guilt because guilt's so toxic, it's using it to have compassion. Yes. But compassion br brings understanding, understanding brings a wisdom, and the wisdom brings true change. And um, when you are truly changing, then you can become innocent again. Yeah, so guilt is there to remind us about the idea of compassion. It's the first step toward awareness. Yeah. But it's not the only step and you don't right. stay there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's a very, very different way to see all of this. And thank you for. You're welcome. Thank uh, you for hearing that. me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very important one. And um, uh, I'm lately thinking, because uh, of a book I'm reading, uh, that um, uh, guilt uh, could be considered to be an independent entity mm. as such that uh, is aware, has an incredible awareness. Uh, and once it finds some circumstance that it can feed off of, then it attacks the person it feeds off of. So everyone who's feeling guilty is feeding this entity. And it makes it a very different thing because an entity you can take by the throat and refuse its, it refuse its existence like that. Now, I understand what you had just said. And I think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah. Because guilt actually became, well, one of the uses of guilt were the early, where the church was also the government and mm -hmm. it controlled people by guilt. Right. Like the boogeyman will get you. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's like you're, you will feel guilty. You will be shamed if you do that. Right. And then the words that are just guilt. And it became a viral guilt, program. Yeah. The words that are just guilt manipulation. You know, this entire method. And so it's not just excluding the words, it's recognizing guilt as, and there's a lot of things we think of as just there. Uh, but they aren't, they're actual beings. Absolutely everything is alive. There is nothing that's not alive. Nothing. I, I don't care if it's formica that's been made to look like wood. Okay, that is a living being. It is, and once, and, and you see in the original peoples throughout the world, they regarded everything as something you had to uh, have respect for, and you, you were required to make it your friend. And once it was your friend, then you could be so bold as to ask for a favor of it. You know, the early visions of the sky, and you don't want it to rain, you don't say stop raining, you go, you know, please excuse me, uh, I would really love it <clears throat> Not to, not to have it rain just now, is that possible to do? And I love you for being the sky, and I love you for being the clouds, and I, I thank you so much, and I will be your friend, and you can ask a favor from me. Mm. And then it stops raining. Wow. It's a very, very different way to see from the intellect that we get, which is directly Atlantis, versus the uh, feelings, which is directly Lemuria. Oh, yes, and you are so right. It's the feeling. It's like Carlos Castaneda, where um, Don, Don Juan told him to run up this mountain path in the middle of the night, and he goes, are you crazy? I'll fall off. And he says, no, just trust. Your feet, won't, your feet know where to step. They don't want you to fall off. You, you let your feet carry you all day, and you're fine. And I remember a book, Rolling Thunder, by Doug Boyd that I read many years ago. And w I remember one of them was that um, how our mindset can, uh, can attract a bee to you or have the, the insects leave you alone. And I practiced that for many years where yeah. I would go out 
and I would let the waveform go out and gnats never bothered me, no flies. And also with raindrops that you could walk between the raindrops. Exactly. And I would do that every day and I many, many times I never got one drop of water on me even though it was pouring down rain. Excellent. And there are so many things you can do when you go from that place where you're just feeling it, letting it happen. Yeah. No, and, and this is pretty much the... Uh, okay. We want to thank you for tuning Check in. Check us out, YouTube slash Telepathic TV. And or uh, there are things on um, a, a website we're not allowed to announce where all of our archives are stored, too. But, right. Um, and and your meditations, iTunes. And yeah. your meditations are very important. Yes. They're, and they're on there, too. Yeah. They're on iTunes podcasting, Meditation Break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have a lot to offer, and thank you for watching. And we will be uh, quite honored uh, by your watching us. Don't forget, we know you're watching. Do, do, do.